Life Audio. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations. We want families to come here and gain insightful strategies that empower them to successfully teach diverse learners at home. Hosted by founder and CEO of Sped Homeschool, Peggy Ployer. Our goal is that these powerful weekly conversations will boost your confidence to cultivate the best at-home learning environment for your student. For more homeschool resources, go to spedhomeschool.com. You're listening to Empowering Homeschool Conversations with Peggy Ployer. We'll start the conversation with Peggy and her guests next. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations, provided by Sped Homeschool, a nonprofit that empowers families to home educate diverse learners. To learn more, visit spedhomeschool.com. Here's Peggy Ployer. Today, we are going to learn how to prepare the intellectually disabled child for life after high school. And my special guest is Stephanie Buckwalter. Welcome, Stephanie, to the show again. We're glad to have you back. Hi, Peggy. Thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. Stephanie is a wealth of information. You are going to enjoy this hour um, tremendously, I promise you. Um, if you know anybody that um, that has a child with an intellectual disability, you are definitely going to want to listen to this, share it with them. Um, and, and we're going to be talking about those transitional years, those high school years. And I know you're kind of in the midst of that right now, aren't you, Stephanie? I am. My daughter will be a senior next year. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about your, your homeschooling path and just kind of how that has all, you know, changed? Because I know you have you have some older children, too, and um, and just um, how that has affected your homeschooling approach even and just life sure. in general. Yeah, um, I have five children. I have four boys and they were born in five and a half years. And so yes, we were busy <laughs> in a busy household. So homeschooling them was quite fun. And I didn't homeschool all of them all the way through. I homeschooled one all the way through. And then the other ones dropped out at different times and went to either private school or public school. So we've done a little bit of everything. And my daughter has done both public school and homeschool. I started out homeschooling her. Then she was in public school for a while because unfortunately I followed everyone's advice. Oh, it'll be great. It's like, not necessarily. Right. And then it was, you know, there are positives and negatives, of course. And then I pulled her back out and I'm homeschooling her for high school again. So that's exciting. And one of my boys was a struggling learner. And my daughter's nonverbal, but he is, you know, very mild disabilities and he can articulate what's going on in his brain. So that was really, really helpful. So that gave me a lot of insight into helping special needs kids when I can talk to someone who struggles but can actually tell me what's going on in their body or what they're thinking. Right. That's a big gap. So you're kind of covering our entire audience because we do have those parents who have those children that just have those struggles that can communicate and then all the way on the spectrum to children who are nonverbal. And um, so, like I said, Stephanie's going to bring a wealth of information into this this conversation. And, um, and so we're going to yeah, as we dive in, I also want you to know, it looks like, again, I'm not exactly sure what's been wrong with Facebook lately, but we're not broadcasting to Facebook again. So I will definitely add this um, this 
video up to Facebook once it's it's done. But we are broadcasting on YouTube. And so if you're watching on YouTube and you want to join this conversation, make sure you put your comments, your questions in the feed, and we would be happy to include those. Also know that um, we take questions ahead of time, and we had a couple of viewers already submit questions, and we will include those in our conversation. Um, so if you're on our email list, you can, you'll get the emails the day prior to the, the broadcast, and you can get the link for that, get a reminder that the broadcast is starting, and then be able to get your questions included, even if you weren't able to join us live. So we um, we want to make it most accessible to you. So so that's why we do that. Um, so so yeah. So let's um, let's kind of just dive into some of the questions you and I have talked about, um, and and then we will just kind of see if there's there's any other questions that that go um, that come from our viewers. But um, how do we even get started? I mean, what what options are there? You know, we, we talk about preparing for life um, after high school, but um, where, you know, there, there's probably lots of different things that we could prepare our students for. Where do we even put our mind in the right place to where do I start? <laughs> okay. Well, uh, one thing is when you have a special needs kid, you're not just going to be teaching academics. You're going to be doing life skills and academics. And right. the balance of those is going to depend on how severe your child is. So the milder your child, the more you can focus on academics, the more severe you'll be spending a lot more time on life skills. Got it. The, yep. There are probably about five different directions you can go. You can... Colleges now, because there was a law that was enacted in um, 2008 that gave people with intellectual disabilities more access to college. And so colleges now offer uh, right. access to lots of programs. Okay. And there's a website called thinkcollege.net. And after the show, I'll send Peggy anything we talk about. I'll take a note and write down links yes, and I'll give them to that in the notes. description. Yes. Um, so you'll have those at the end so you don't have to scribble them all down. <laughs> so thinkcollege.net is specifically for identifying colleges for kids with intellectual disabilities. And then there's job training uh, programs, and you can usually get those to the county. Right. There are day programs, and those are offered different places. And we can talk about, you know, we can talk about each of these in more detail. Yes. But mm -hmm. uh, you may just have your child stay at home with you. And yep. then there's also the full-time living facility. So there are lots of options for your child and right. none of them is better or worse than the other. It's just what works for your child and your family and for you as a, for you, for you personally, because you have to, you know, you have to have a life to live after your child's out of high school too. Exactly. That's a good consideration. Balance. Yes. Yeah. So oftentimes yeah, we do, we do think what, what do I, what does my child want? What is, what, <laughs> you know, what I want for my child. And yet you are a person, I think you, you and I, Stephanie, have seen this probably a lot from just in our community. We get lost when we have kids with special needs. We forget sometimes who we are and that we need to care for ourselves. And a lot of times we suffer from that because we don't think about ourselves. So I'm really happy that you did point that out because this is a, this is a long-term decision that's being made. And, and it's not, you know, an end all be all decision that, you know, once you make this decision, that's, that's, <laughs> that's it, <laughs> you know, but, um, but it's good to plan. Um, so, so let's, um, let's kind of dive in to those different categories is, so say we have a child, what, first of all, 
I guess I'm going to backtrack on this one. Um, when should we start this preparing? <laughs> when should we even start thinking about, you know, making these transitional changes in our homeschooling to be prepared for this launch? Well, there's there are two parts. There's preparing the child and then there's choosing a path. And okay. as soon as you hear this interview, you should start preparing your child. For <laughs> it's never too place. early or too late to get started doing this. So the preparation is throughout. And that's one Got of the it. things that's kind of missed in the special needs world because you're so focused, like you're talking about, you're, yeah. you're losing yourself, you're focused on your child, <clears throat> but you forget that there's at some point, you know, this homeschooling journey will be over with them and there's something right. else. And so really you need to start with the end in mind and figure out their most likely path. Now, never underestimate your child. I always say, assume intelligence, assume capability Absolutely. for everything, even nonverbal kids, intellectual disability, everything. And so what they look like in elementary school may not be anything what they look like by the time they graduate, right. but you can start planning saying, okay, if they don't speak now, but I want them to speak after, you know, to be able to communicate by high school, then I need to work on speech, picture system, AAC device, you know, things like that. So you start making the decisions early on and then you have time to work on them. Right. So that's really yeah. it. And then as far as, so that's the preparation, but the choosing a path, you don't want to, you want to kind of have things in mind, but you want to choose it kind of towards the end. So you have a better idea of what they're going to do, what they're going to be like. Yeah, as you were talking about that, it just made me think of prerequisites. You know, we, we want to get all those prerequisites in, a, in order. And really, wherever we reach with those list of things is really where our child can can launch to one of those paths. Um, and, and sometimes, yeah, we may have to scramble at the end because they well, may say, I want to go here. I want to do this. <laughs> well, gonna, I'm yeah. sorry. No, that's go ahead. Okay. Well, the other thing to remember that I just thought of when you were talking was when a neurotypical child graduates high school, they spend four to five years, six if you're me, <laughs> either <laughs> in college or doing or training for a job. Like a, uh, I have a son who's training to be an electrician. That's a five-year apprenticeship program. Yes. And there are other apprenticeship programs that are two or three years. And so don't think that you have that don't stress out about graduating high school because then there's that four or five years after high school where you're no longer under state requirements. You can teach whatever you want and help your child focus in on their specialty and their oh, abilities man. and their interests. So don't get scared about graduating high school, just get through it. And then you have like, think of those, think of homeschool college, you know, whatever, yes, whatever you want yeah. that to look like. Yep. You can, you can train, you can spend those years training your child. You don't have to do it by end of 12th grade. That's a, a great way to think about it is taking those prerequisites of the state out by actually finishing and graduating and then spending that time. It's almost like an extended gap year or years mm -hmm. um, so that your student could be prepared for that next path. After a word from our sponsor, we'll dive back into this conversation. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations, provided by Sped Homeschool. Go to spedhomeschool.com to get resources and support for teaching your unique learner at home. Can we backtrack a little bit and talk about that 
that question is, what do I do when I am required to teach certain subjects and and mix that all in um, to preparing and those prerequisite skills that we want to build? Okay. Well, the first thing is some states have no requirements, like the one you're in, and the one like mine has, you have to have, you only have to report scores or evaluations on the core language arts and math. Mm -hmm. And there are other states that actually dictate what you have to teach. So I I realize I'm addressing a a large range. Yes, uh, very large range. Mm -hmm. And so first thing is, okay, we have to, as you know, diligent, honorable homeschoolers, we have to meet the state requirements. So in that sense, you do that. But then you need to fill in around that what your child will need. Several states, but not all I found out, have uh, options of turning in proof of progress that account for the fact that some kids are going to have special needs, but there are other states that do not. Right. So you have to, you know, do what they say and work around it the best you can. Right. But for those who have a little more flexibility, you can use electives, what I would call electives to work on your child's needs. If we're talking specifically about high school, high school Mm -hmm. electives. Right. Um, Also, if your state doesn't require, like mine doesn't require, Um, reporting on history and science. So I can use history and science as opportunities, not for academic training, because my my daughter has moderate ID Mm -hmm. and she's nonverbal, functionally nonverbal. She has, you know, like 10 or 50 words and uses an iPad for some communication. So the electives can be, so those can kind of be turned into pseudo electives even to work on the things that I want to work on. Another thing you can do if you have heavy state requirements is use summer school. And I know you probably need to give your child the mental break. I know right. it works great with, with my <laughs> child, but you could do, you know, one thing that you wanted to work on in summer school or even one thing throughout the year that you could work in. Those right. are the best ways yeah. to balance it. Yeah. Summer school, after schooling, or use electives. Yeah. And if you somehow can incorporate it into their their interest then they're, the buy-in's a little easier <laughs> for, for those types of things. <laughs> I didn't address all that because that that's true because I found that my daughter learns best in context. So if I want to teach her vocabulary words, we pick a topic and we study it, and then we learn all the vocabulary related to that, even if they're high-level words or low-level words. Got it, it doesn't matter. Yes. She can learn it all. Um, I'm assuming because <laughs> she's not real. She can't spit it back at me. She can find right. one her but she won't necessarily use them in conversation. But my goal in teaching my child, and this may help other people, my goal in teaching my special needs child is I want to teach her what I picture her life after high school. Okay. So That's she's great. not going to be yeah. able to keep up with what's going on in life. Right. So she's not going to be able to keep up the conversation because no one, most people won't sit there and wait for her to type a sentence into her AAC device. So I want her to at least if she's sitting around the table with a bunch of people at a meal and they're talking about coronavirus or um, climate change, all these political topics, not necessarily, or they make a reference to Greek mythology or they make a reference to or they talk about, um, you know, getting a speeding ticket, (laughs) you know, anything. Just those relatable things in life. So Mm -hmm. what I want her to be able to do is to to at least understand and follow the conversation. Just like if you're in a foreign country, you don't really know the language. You can kind of understand it, but you can't really speak it yet. So that's how I picture her life is 
I want her to be able to understand it. So as I'm going through school and I'm teaching her things, anytime something pops in my mind about that she would probably need to know as an adult sitting around listening to other people, I try to teach her and work that in. Yeah, that's a great perspective to have because because you don't want, I mean, the biggest thing that you don't want for your child is for them to be isolated. And so you're building a way for her to bridge that gap, at least mentally, when she's in that group. Um, and, and it may not be like you said, that she would be, you know, on top of the topic. Um, but she would feel like, yeah, I know what they're talking about. I don't don't feel like I'm an outsider in, in this conversation. So, yeah, so I yeah. gear my academics toward social conversation rather than right. hardcore, you know, prove it with a math equation. <laughs> right, because really in everyday life, the engagement, that social engagement is what we, I mean, we were created that way. We we were made to be socially engaging people. That's that's how we are filled and we, we fill others. And so that's, a, you know, that's a basic primary need. And so you're focusing on that need for your daughter. And, and that is so, so important because that, that alleviates a lot of things mental health wise that come down further in the road that we don't even think about a lot of times when we're, we're thinking about teaching our child, um, especially in those academic realms. So, yes. Awesome. So I've got a question from a viewer. I'm going to then bring it up on the screen here. Lisa is watching on YouTube and, and she's talking about her son. She said he's missing ninth grade and misses his friends, but he's way behind. I'd like to catch him up and try public. Um, what would be the best path or type of testing or what, um, what about graduation plans? I think he'd like to be with his friends. So it sounds like her issue is her child's behind compared to, you know, the, the typical ninth grader in, in a public school. And she's trying to use homeschooling, which a lot of people do use homeschooling to kind of remediate um, before putting him back into school. Okay. Well, the first thing, if we're talking about math, right, we're talking about math specifically. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, and probably other areas too, but the question um, I think. actually, she just said a path. Um, oh, okay, just behind. Okay, path so behind and do? testing was her question. Okay, so there, Okay, so there's a calculation you can do. How many years has your child been in school, and how far did he get? So if he is in ninth grade and got through sixth grade math, you know you can calculate how much further based on okay, covered six years and six years of school and eight years, six years of material and eight years of school. So um, potentially when he graduates, he would still be two years behind or he may be able to catch up at least another year. So first, first thing you use is logic, just calculate it out. You can see how far he is and you can do this in any subject. You can do this with uh, therapy related things too, by the way, Okay. how, yeah. how far they've developed intellectually, neurologically and calculate out how long it would take them to get where you want them to be. So for him, one thing I wanted to talk about, and this may be a good time to do it, is yeah. when you graduate your special needs child, depending on the level of severity, they may not be qualify for a standard diploma. And a standard diploma is the one you would get if you went to public high school and were mainstreamed with all the other kids. Then there are people who are, and I'm giving you the public school examples because this may right. be easier to understand. Mm -hmm. 
uh, then just relate it to your homeschool. There are people, kids who are mostly on track with their peers, but they're pulled out and behind in a couple of classes, which may be your case. And she said math and writing was her response when you asked questions yes. about that. Okay. Those are the core subjects. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, so what you can do is, so, so I'll be getting back to this. So, and then there's like a 504 plan. You're pulled out for just a few classes or an IEP. You can do it either way. And then when you graduate, you still get a standard diploma. But then there are the kids who aren't meeting academic requirements of a standard degree. And so the school will grant you some other kind of degree or a certificate of completion. So one thing you could do is determine, is your child shooting for a standard diploma? And if so, my answer is different than if they're just shooting for a certificate of completion. Sounds like he's you know, academically up there and so he'd probably be going for a standard diploma. So you would do remedial math with him and you would just start where he is at, find a program, which is no easy thing. <laughs> it's no right. easy task. If you look on my home school shelves, because of all the kids and all the problems, I have at least 10 or 11 math programs that we've tried for the different kids. You know, Life of Fred, we did Saxon, we did, we did uh, it all math, math, yes. we did them all, <laughs> developmental math. So we have, so you find one that works and stick with it. And the things you would look at as far as finding one that works is, does your child need simpler worksheets with fewer problems on them? Does he need graph paper, like one inch graph paper, so he can line up the numbers? I mean, is that a problem? There are all kinds of little things that going, is the problem math calculation? Can you use a calculator where he can still work on the concepts and progress through the high school math concept wise, but maybe not doing math in his head? Because those are two separate skills and I know this because if you take the California Achievement Test, you get two separate scores for those. You get one for oh. calculation and you get one for concepts. So that would be probably a good test to figure out just where that deficit might be, too. The California Achievement Test is kind of just a peer-to-peer test. Okay. Something like the Iowa test or one of the other, there's another one, Stanford test, I think is the other one. I think the Iowa test you could administer at home, but the Stanford test, you have Mm -hmm. to go somewhere. Um, So if you have the Iowa test and the Stanford test, they will show you more of a range of where your child is, where the California achievement test is kind of like a pass fail test. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you want to, so you'd want to do one of the tests that they're harder tests, but they'll give you better data for figuring out where your child is at. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And she then, said he's at about a third to fifth grade level in both. So, so oh, okay. yeah, you're going to definitely catching up. I don't know if, if that's even a possibility. Um, so, so looking at what you're talking about, Stephanie and, and um, some longer term goals too. And yeah. And I know too, if you, if you have more of a, like for the college entrance exams for like community colleges, you know, if your child doesn't pass that, the colleges have programs too, that if your child does need remediate, uh, remediated services, they can take classes at the college that will help catch them up to whatever level they need to be at to get whatever degree. They're just not going to get a college credit for it. Um, but those classes are taught on site too. So um, so I think and sometimes we, we panic about, yeah, my job not going to get into college just because of this one area. Um, and so. And they have math labs there where one of my sons, he didn't do very well in uh, 
public school math <laughs> with the foundation and homeschool math. Okay, I'll take partial blame. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, really, we struggled with math, and now he's actually this May getting ready to graduate with a dual degree in finance and accounting. But wow. when he went into community college, he this is the one who was a struggling learner. He uh, he just went to the math lab every day. So that's another way to get a math tutor to help you. If your child is that far behind, then you'll probably want to work, just keep working on concepts. Don't worry about learning the times table, addition tables. There are ways you can work on those alongside. I don't ever say give up on remediation, but right. do accommodation, which is hand your child a calculator and teach him the concepts. Cause you may find that he's perfectly capable of understanding the concepts and doing the math on the calculator, but we get stuck in what I call perpetual kindergarten. Yes. And where you're just always, always, always working on ABCs and one, two, threes. And I've, I've had to work really hard to not do that to my daughter mm. <laughs> to, to get her out of perpetual kindergarten. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, a great way to look for it. Um, she had asked for resources for teaching concepts. Um, I, I think for each of those, it would, it would probably be, um, I don't know, a tutor would, would that be the best route to go or somebody that, um, I'm, I'm assuming she's talking about like teaching math concepts or, or writing concepts for her, her son. Yeah. There are lists of, um, Oh yeah. Of what you should yeah. learn when, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you'll get an, and it says, you know, by this grade, they should know these things and these and these. Uh, let me write that down as a, basically you can look at a scope and sequence of math curriculum, your favorite one or other ones. You can go to Kathy Duffy's website. Um, top one. Yeah. Kathy she Duffy's said they're top. using Matthew C. So I would say, yeah, just go to the yes, Matthew C, look at their scope and see. And I think from what I remember about the Matthew C um, website is that they have all of those that you can even print them out um, and view them. Last time I yeah. looked at their site, those and were so all available. See what he knows, so you'll know what level he's at. And he may have scatter skills, so he may know some things. Right. Um, we used Matthew C. back when it was just three big books. <laughs> it was before <laughs> Alpha Beta. It was before right. all came out. So this was like way back when I have all the old Matthew C. stuff. <laughs> and so I'm not familiar with all of these. But basically what you do is you look at a math scope and sequence. You see how far along the path your child is and just start there and start building there. And you can use the principles of therapy, which is frequency, intensity, and duration. So you play around with those to, does your child need more frequent, uh, smaller, shorter lessons, short duration, higher frequency to learn math. And that's usually what you start with. You should have a short duration, high frequency and high intensity where you're learning like concepts. And then over time, those kind of switch where you can do longer periods of time with less intensity as he's catching the concepts and moving forward. So that's uh, one thing you can look at too, is varying frequency, intensity, and duration. Yeah. yeah that's, that's a, those are, I, I, I love that because I'd never heard that until Jan Bedell started talking about that when we, I've interviewed her once and I was like, well, that makes so much sense. I never, never heard that from anybody before. And, um, but it does. And every student is different on what they need. And yet, you know, when we, we go to that classic model, every, everything is equal. And, and sometimes it's, 
it, it just depends on the curriculum developer too, on what they choose to spend more time on. And it's not always a good fit for our student. So, yeah, well, um, so I'm going to return back to the subject that of, uh, that we're we're focusing on for, and I love that though that we we spent time on Lisa's question because I know a lot of people struggle with this. It's like you know we're we're hitting those high school years. We hit that panic time, and we go, wait, <laughs> we are so far behind. I don't even want to think about planning. And so I'm glad we were able to address that because um, Lisa, there are so many people who are in the same place as you are, and we just want you to not worry. <laughs> Yes, yeah, Stephanie's raising her hand if you're listening to the podcast um, that, you know, God has timing for each of our kids and we just have to rest in that and wherever they're at um, and to start um, to just prepare them, you know, one day, one week, one month, one year at a time. And we they will get where they need to go. And um, and. And so just, just rest in that, that fact too. So Stephanie, you had, you had, we had, you had elaborated on, you know, just based on severity and also in, you know, just as our student that we can go, you know, the college route, the job training route, the day program route, stay at home or living in a full-time facility. Um, when that path is kind of decided, how does the preparation start? With. Well, okay, I'll go over each one and talk a little about it and then show how how you can prep for that path. Yeah, that's okay, a good so idea. College certificate programs, again, think college.net is where they have a list of them. For example, George Mason University, people are familiar with that from the final four a few years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's outside of Washington, D.C. It is a four-year program for students with intellectual disability, and you do not have to have a standard high school diploma. So they just need an IEP or a not and can have an I uh, they have to have an IEP and a non-standard diploma or a certificate of, a st- of attendance is even accepted. So you don't have to worry about so your child doesn't have to graduate to get a college experience. And that's kind of what these colleges do is they right. give your child a college experience. They let them edit classes. They give them the social part of college and they put them in a protected environment like a dorm living situation that will um, that can help them thrive in that environment and they have full four-year programs if you want to. So, um, and we already talked about not having a standard diploma. So some of the Mm -hmm. ways you would prep for this path is, oh, by the way, one more thing, colleges don't offer IEPs. So you're not going to go to college and then all of a sudden get all these accommodations and stuff for your child like you do in the public school system Mm -hmm. or through even your own homeschool student education plan, which is kind of homeschool IEP. Right. What they do is you can ask for accommodations, but they're very specifically defined by the school and you have to fit their definitions to get those accommodations. Right. So this yes. is an option. So if you if you can, if, you're, if your child can fit within the accommodations the college offers, then you can do that. And you can also, community colleges have those. And like you were talking about, um, one of my sons applied to, he didn't have a, he didn't take the, uh, what do you call it, the test at the end of high school? Oh, the SAT or ACT. Yeah, they, he didn't have yeah. any yeah. SAT mm-hmm. scores or uh, any of that. So what the college, the community college will do is they'll let you take an entrance test. Right. And mm-hmm. on math, when they showed the list of remedial classes he could take it, it was all the way. There were nine levels. You would have had to pay college tuition for those wow. nine classes. But it started at addition and subtraction. And so the book... So we, we bought the book 
and it covers all nine levels. Okay. So we could start wherever he was and work up and we could do it paid. But if not, we still have the book. Right. <laughs> we have the, the math yeah. book that tells us everything we need to know. So that's really kind of nice. a good, maybe even a good planning state is to, to find, you know, whatever test and kind of teach for that test based on whatever yeah. they that school would have as a remedial classes. Yeah. Oh yeah, and that would work too. And that's what, that was kind of our plan. Kind of, right. kind of derailed after he got old enough to realize he didn't have to do school anymore. But, <laughs> get them while they're young, people. Get them while they're young. Get them while they're young. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so my daughter, she's like, she doesn't, you know, she has no concept that she's going to graduate in a year, but right. she's just that, that independence, even in your special needs child, they will start feeling that independence and insisting on it. So I'm actually pretty serious when I say start early with your child in a lot of these things, because you may not have the same freedom as they get older. So right. the, okay, so the mm-hmm. path for that, that path, academics, um, they'll need some academic background to be able to function in the school environment. They'll need executive functioning skills, like how to organize for a class, how to get school materials together to take to a class, you know, how to pack their backpack for a class, that kind of thing. So executive function skills. Um, you might want them to know a few social activities like how to bowl and how to play board games so they can go do social things with other people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They need to be able to sit in a classroom without disrupting it. Um, and I'm not talking about, you know, ticks and quirks and things like that. I'm just talking about being able to sit through a you know 45 minute hour long class without, you know, losing focus, losing themselves, whatever. Right. Um, they may mildly have to know how to deal with bureaucracy, which um, <laughs> you'll have plenty of that as they get older. You have to work through all the forms. Right. And yes. And colleges are, are well known for that bureaucracy point. So we have someone yeah. helping them through that process, but it yes. would help them to be prepared that, hey, we're going to have to do paperwork and this is what it means. And exactly. personal safety and boundaries, they'll need to know that. You definitely want to teach your kid that even no matter where they're headed. Right, after exactly. College, but mm-hmm. That's really important. And then knowing when to ask for help, because if they don't know when to ask for help, they can have a really miserable college experience. So that's so that's that the, the things that you would want to prep on that. Yeah, that's a good list. Um, and, and yeah, some of those I would have never even thought of. And now that I've had a student go through college, I'm I'm sitting here going, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Wish I had that list. <laughs> so, and um, and we had a, a mom ask a, a question before too. And she said, do you have a checklist to follow? Danielle had submitted that ahead of time. So, so Stephanie's kind of rattling off a little bit of some, some checklists for each of them verbally. And, um, and so, so hopefully that will help you a little bit. Okay. And if you'd like, I can put them, uh, I can kind of make a checklist and give it to you to distribute, like in the show notes, put a link to it okay. or whatever. Sure. Yeah. Or you That'd can just put great. them straight into the show notes, either one. Whatever works best for you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And so then the next one was job training. And what you're going to want to do is look for places that teach people job skills that have intellectual disabilities. Now, I want to add something here that um, if your child has both intellectual disabilities and psychiatric problems, and I'm talking like mental, I know they put mental illness, you know, ADHD and all that stuff is considered mental these days. But I'm talking about psychiatric problems more okay. than just what's termed mental. Right. Yes. Just, uh, so 
be careful. Those are not equivalent. So some places that accept children with intellectual disabilities stipulate that if they also have psychological problems or psychiatric problems, that they they don't work with those kind of kids because it's a whole different ball game. Oh, okay. So That's you have to, to be, know. yeah, you have to be careful that those are. So if your child is also struggling with mental health issues, just be careful about you know what you're choosing and go slow with you know, working them into one of these pathways, because that's, it's just right. a little bit of a different ballgame. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so you have places that teach that. And you'd find government services in your area. Normally, if you're in the public school system, they kind of hold your hand through this process of getting access to all the government services. Um, what happens is, you know, you have child fine, and then you have the education system, and then you have this adult. In my state, it's called the Department of Aging and Rehabilitation. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> but, that's where, but that's where you get your job help from. Uh, huh. or, you know, you would never think that. So you can just type right. in DAR for your state or. Uh, yeah, IEP yeah, we, we started staff. with yeah our state and then worked down to our county and then the local office when I was doing that with my son. Yeah. So, yeah, and it's the same thing. So you'd have, you may have. Yeah, starting at your state. So all of these programs, by the way, are typically the programs are administered by the state. They're not they're They may be funded by the federal government, but they're at a state level. So you have to look up for services right. within your state. And then from state, you can also go to county and to city level or their community organizations that may be helping. I think this comes up in another question. So the job training so you can get official training through a government agency. You can go with entrepreneurship. There are several families that have taken their child's interest and turned it into a family business. Yes. So the child is working there and running it. In our local area, we have um, a person, a kid who loved chocolates. And so now they have a chocolate store. Wow. And they mold their own chocolate and things like that. And they hire mostly people with intellectual disabilities. It's really cool. Wow. And, you know, they work there and they serve there and it's, yeah, and they do catering. You can order stuff online. It's really cool. So you can look for places like that. Uh, internship, that way you can kind of check out a job before it's a big commitment. Right. Yeah, an apprenticeship where you can actually learn a vocation. And again, your child might have to be a little higher functioning. So we kind of started at the yeah. highest functioning and right. we're kind of moving down, yep. the, mm -hmm. down the ladder here. Yeah, absolutely. volunteer work is a good place to learn skills. My son, um, who was, you know, high functioning, he was interested in farming. Oh. And we went, went and there was a there was a volunteer farm in our area. So we would go there two days a week and we'd work on the farm. And then all the vegetables at the end of the season went to the local food bank. So that was kind of cool. So they had like a 10 acre farm and we, we helped work the farm. We were like, there are lots of volunteers, but that was kind of fun. So you can do volunteer work. And so he learned about farming that way. And then he got a farm internship from the volunteer work. And then he got a farm job after that. So he actually worked through the steps uh, by starting with a volunteer, the internship, and then a business. Um, and then there are right. special businesses, which we talked about. So those are some. Yeah. So the way you prep for those, find your government services, Find employer, find employers willing to work with people with intellectual disabilities. Now, there's some that already do, like Goodwill, Salvation Army. They're usually right, those associated ones. with the yeah. county programs, but they're also local businesses. Like if you can 
find someone, maybe a friend or someone through church, they have a business and there's like a single skill job and you can teach your job, your child that skill. Right. Then perhaps they would be hireable. Um, and I'm thinking, well, I had a, a friend with a special needs daughter and she was went through one of these training pros and she worked in the hospital. And what she did, and it was a job all the nurses hated, but she loved doing it. And that was oh. wrapping all the utensils after they were sterilized because <laughs> oh. then they had to be preserved. And she right. loved doing that. And the nurses appreciate her so much because not a single one of them ever wanted to do that. So they're little things like that. You know, it takes a little work to find them, but that's how you can prep for that. You can start looking for things like that. There are also something called transition fairs that are offered through oh, the public okay. school. We just, I just attended one for our area. And they talk about things like getting guardianship, job training programs, you know, just basically all the government services in your area. So if right. your school is not big enough to have one of those, or your school district, just search your state and transition fair. And the oh, transition okay. means transition from high school to adulthood. Now, do and you have so, to contact your local school district to get invited to that? Or how, how well, do you get how access as a homeschooler? I got invited, but if you find the advertisement for a transition fair, when COVID happened, all the transition fairs went online. <laughs> and so oh, you can find your transition fair presentations online now. Because okay. there's about guardianship, special needs trust, you know, all that right. kind of stuff. And then you get connected with that local community. So people in your community that are offering those services or have that expertise too, which is, is so much better than finding somebody across the country who has that advice to share. Right. And because it's all state related, it's better to find some of your state. So yeah, the speakers are often the people from the organizations in your area that would help the transitional adulthood. So if your school district doesn't have one, find the next biggest school district close to you and you'll probably right. find them there. Okay. Well, that's that you good can to at know. Least look at their stuff online. Yeah. Yeah. So we've, we've talked about the, the college route and the job training and let's see, um, we cover anything uh, else. I, I think that's program. it. So day program would be next. The next so. ones are much shorter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> big because it involves all these other people. So these right. other ones that's are so true. Easier. Yes. So if you're, if you think your child is going to be in a day program, and what I mean by day program is your child yeah. lives at home, but two to five days a week, they go to a facility and there they uh, are with other people. And there they focus on life skills, possibly employment skills. Mm -hmm. uh, they offer social opportunities on site. They often take community trips out into the community to help them develop their community skills. And again, these are the ones that are provided by state, county, city, possibly a community organization and or possibly a church. Our church is huge and it offers an adult daycare program oh, wow. five days a week. And um, it's it's really nice. The only thing is they have to, you have to be 21. So it has to be after that public school graduation. Right. Date. Yes. The 21 date. That's kind of that transition time for students who are, have that extended graduation time. Right. So that's the four years we're talking about where you can actually stay in public school those last few, you know, another three years after you graduate. So that's what you would be doing during that three year period is training your child. So the prep for that would just be call facilities in your area and ask them what a day would be like for a child with yeah. your level of abilities and then adapt your teaching and what the child would need to know to go into that kind of a program. And regardless yeah. of whether you actually use the program or not, the skills are going to be relevant. To yes, any, absolutely. Any yeah. You're program. not losing anything at all. That's a good point. 
Yeah. And so you just search special needs day programs or intellectual disability day programs. That's the keyword day programs. And you'll find some and you can, you know, search by city, state, county. Okay. Yeah. Or Google maps. <laughs> it's always nice for looking for something local. <laughs> if you're searching in there. That's what I've found at least. Otherwise I find something across the country that I really don't want. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so yeah. Well, anything else in that category as far as like day programs that parents should be aware of or would um, require preparing? That's all I know of because I have, my son went to a music therapy program when he was in high school as that was, you know, one of his school days. And they would host people from these day programs at the music therapy facility. And so they were people who were, because the music therapy was for people who were had disabilities of all kinds or were just socially anxious and, you know, all that stuff. And so for what I know, and then we went to their facility one time. So what I know about that is from visiting one there and what that particular one did. So that's, so you kind of have to call them because each of them offer different things. Yes. That would and be. they handle different levels of abilities because some will offer the job training, some won't, or they will if your child is able or your adult child is old enough to, I mean, is skilled enough, is, has the ability to develop those skills. Right. So you really just have to call around to know. Yeah. And not, don't just assume that one is going to look like the other. That's a, that's a really good point to make and to be prepared for, especially if you are preparing. <laughs> so, so this next one, this stay at home option, um, I, I find, you know, when I interview a lot of people who have homeschooled many years and have a child with an intellectual disability, this is the option they choose. Um, and, and so talk a little bit into that and what, what that looks like and, and do we need to plan for transition or not? <laughs> um, well, yes, yes. <laughs> we plan for transition. So and this is the option that I'm choosing as far as I know, although we might try to do like one or two days, but it wouldn't be like a five day a week daytime silly, just because my daughter happens to be very social and she wants to yeah. be around people. So your adult child will live at home with you, your child, you will want them to have some level of independence during the day so that you can get things done. And this is what we were talking about earlier. Right. You've got to have a life. If your child's going to live yes. with you, you uh -huh. can't be your whole day going back to that. And, <laughs> and treating yeah. them like you do during homeschool, which is kind of natural because that's what you do when you're homeschooling any of your children, not just your special needs child. Just yes. uh, takes a little more work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you want to teach them. So my daughter, she can't read. So I can't just give her books to read, but she likes having books read to her on the iPad sometimes. Oh, yeah. She uses her iPad for communication. So she has it with her at all times. So occasionally she will switch to watching videos. And it's funny because when she's outside on the swing, she listens to ad nauseum, twinkle, twinkle, little star. Oh, wow. <laughs> I've heard at least 250 <laughs> versions of that song in all different languages <laughs> over the years. Uh, but she'll eventually move on to other things. But so she listens yeah. to music out there. But when she's up in her room, she'll watch videos about tornado storm chasers and a guy who goes through every fire alarm. He has like 50 different fire alarms that he explains the mechanisms and how it works in each one. So, you know, wow. her educational iPad time is in her room mm -hmm. and her music time is out on the swing. But those are times we can say, OK, you need to go to your room and you need to. And actually, even though she doesn't have she's nonverbal, I still have to tell her, stop talking. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Saying, stop talking please go to your room 
so you want them to something, some kind of independence, or you know, you can teach them to read. You can do that. Uh, right. Additionally, you'll want to teach them uh, chores because we're coming up to the end. Of our mm-hmm. class, but, uh, chores and social opportunities. Those are the other the three things. So these three things fit into what I call the three circles of purpose. And if you don't mind, can I show a graphic? Real yeah, quick? please do show that. Okay. So way back when, okay, this was just a few years ago. I finally thought, okay, my child's getting close to graduating. What am I going to do with her? Why? And so I started thinking, well, why was a good question to ask? Yes. <laughs> why did God create us in the first place? And so I you know, had no clue where to look in the Bible. So I just started reading in Genesis. And lo and behold, I found it in Genesis chapter two. So I didn't have to look very long or hard. But let me see if I can get God is so good. <laughs> he knows how short our time is and, and, and what we need to hear. So, yes. Uh, so I screen. We'll make sure that you get a, um, a timestamp and when this shows up in the video, too, if you're listening to the podcast, so that you'll be able to go to this timestamp and, and look at the um, graphic that Stephanie is sharing. Oh, I'm sorry. What did you say? I was trying to find it. No, I just was talking to the audience about I'll, I'll share the timestamp of where this is going to be in the video. So that and I can also put a it. link because I have this graphic in a eight and a half by 11 sheet on my website. Oh, OK. And you can. I'll give a link where you can go and download it there. That'd be great. Okay, so I called it the three circles of purpose. And in Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. Now I realize he's talking about husband, wife, but husband, wife, have kids. There's your family unit, which is exactly in the world. So it all starts, we're created for relationship, both with God and with others. So because we were created for relationship, we teach social connection. And there is a list of things there, relationship with God, community, kindness, respect, societal rules, compassion. Like I start, I just started thinking of like all these things we have to learn related right. to social connection Absolutely. and conflict resolution. And then, oops, sorry, I'm learning how to use this. Um, and then Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man, placed him in the garden to cultivate and keep it. So we were created for work. And because we were created for work, we teach productivity. And if you'll notice, mm-hmm. academics and life skills, I have, for those who can't see, I have like 10 bullet items here. Yes, and there are only two. <laughs> and life skills are only two of these bullets in one of these circles. Okay. Yes. So you've got a lot to work with your child on. And again, you can focus on these things after high school, but as they get older, they're not as willing to let you teach exactly. them. Exactly. Yes. So, they think they know everything. <laughs> it doesn't go away even when it's no. <laughs> So it's two, two parents of adult children. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, and then in Genesis 2, 16 and 17, it's when God tells him, you know, don't eat from this tree. Right? right. And so we were created for self-governance, which I call the responsible use of free will. So that's what's happening here. God's saying, you know, here, good. I'll put you in yes. the garden. You can eat for any tree, but these two, right? One that gave eternal life and one that gave knowledge. So, don't eat from those trees. So he gave us free will and we're supposed to use it responsibly. So because we're created for self-governance, we teach independence. And that's like home care, self-care, safety, personal responsibility, healthy habits, all those things fall into there. So right. I just use this graphic as a guide for all the things I need to teach my child in homeschool. And that's really what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's it brings it back to you know, really what matters. And um, I love that. I absolutely love that. I wish I would have seen that earlier <laughs> raising my kids. It would have made things so much easier to understand why, what am I doing and why am I doing this? Um, yeah. 
So, so thank you. Yeah. yeah. And, oh, and then I guess I have the prep section here <laughs> so to prepare for that. So you want to observe your child just real quick, observe your child, find out what they're good at and what they like. Yeah. Um, and then you want to find either anything to help them. This is the produ productivity circle to help them be productive chores, hobbies, recreational pursuits, volunteer opportunities, anything. And then you can also use it to build skills. So this is helping them be productive because we were made to be productive. And I thought about this yes, mostly with my absolutely. daughter. When she helps me unload the dishwasher, she is just happier. She's just a happier person because she did something productive. And right. so don't be afraid to make your kids help around the house. Or I have her on her iPad. That was one of our first things was to go call everybody to dinner. Because I got tired of yelling up the stairs. Oh, yeah, so she had to absolutely. Put, come eat. And come eat mm -hmm. and she'd go walk around and like play it for everybody in the uh -huh. house to call them to dinner. So even little things like that, it's nothing's too small to help them feel yes. productive. Um, another useful framework for figuring things out and what your child can do after high school is Kathy. Is it Kathy Coke? Is that how you say it? Coke or Cook? Cook. Yeah, Cook. Kathy Cook. <laughs> yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. Kathy yep. Cook. Her book, I've only seen it in writing. I haven't seen it in I haven't heard of Yes, it. I've met her a couple times. Yep. <laughs> she does, she has a book called The Eight Great Smarts, which is based on Howard Gardner's multiple intelligences. And it's a simplified version of those in multiple intelligences. And it's, you know, not a perfect thing, but it's a good framework to use for your child because oh, it identifies eight areas in their life where they can be smart. So they don't have to be, as we were talking about earlier math smart and word smart right smart. The, but they can be nature smart which is seeing patterns which is something actually i'm actually pretty good at but i never knew it <laughs> until i read her book that oh i'm nature smart um That's but it really gives cool. you a bigger look at your child what your child can do that's not yes. just your academic school there are six other things besides academic including picture smart self smart people smart i have a neighbor who's uh She's a twin and her sister is extremely intelligent, intellectually book smart. Mm -hmm. She's a flight attendant and she is an awesome flight attendant and she's funny and she loves people and she always comes back with all these people stories. And so she's people smart and, yeah. you know, academics, if she was, if her life was judged on how well she did in school, she'd be a failure. But when you right. look at her from one of these other smarts, she's a success. And I highly encourage you to search out that book, um, for yourself. And she also ties in a Christian perspective to it. She adds a Christian perspective to each of the smarts. That's so awesome. that's what I use to figure yes. out my child's interests and abilities. Yeah, those are some yeah. great resources. So as we're um, kind of wrapping up and talking about resources, I would love for you to talk about some of the resources that you offer. Um, oh, we do have one more question. If we can address this just really quick. Okay, um, can I? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, because there was one more, the full-time facility living at home. Oh, yes, we still have to do that, too. Okay, let's, okay, let's do that really first. Yep, it's, nope, yep, yep, uh -huh. it's a hard decision to make, but sometimes it actually is the best one, because if you right. have no life because your child is at home and you're in it and you're suffering, it's a, it's OK. It's OK to put them in a home a and, visit yeah. them and yeah. be there with them and, you know, find a good one. Right. So to prep for that, you would just call, see what skills they work on there, what your child would need to know to be successful living in a group home and teach them those skills. Yeah. Yeah. And my parents have made that decision for multiple of my siblings, just because then the time they get to spend with them 
is quality time. It isn't just always care time. And I think sometimes we we forget that we need to have that that parental relationship, not just the caregiver relationship with our children. So it allows time for that. So like Stephanie said, don't don't beat yourself up if if that's a decision you have to make. Um, it is still a good decision if God leads you there. So yeah. So Carrie had. Um, given us a question ahead of the show and she has a child with epilepsy and asked a question about how do we prepare him for independence um, and having peace that he's well prepared. With epilepsy, which my daughter had when she was younger. So I'm familiar with grand mal seizures, mm. <laughs> uh, all too familiar. The, I think the primary thing for a child with ep- epilepsy <clears throat> is helping them be able to manage their medication, manage their episode, and make sure that they have a way to get help if they're out among people who have never seen someone have a seizure. Right. So yeah. if someone, you know, if he is prone to having seizures and falling down, to either have a bracelet or a, if he's going to be somewhere where he knows. What I did with my daughter was I made, I took a lanyard with a little, thing on the end of it. And I just said, if an emergency, please call. And anytime we go out in public, if she gets lost or, you know, if I'm lost, I'm nonverbal, please call these phone numbers. Right. So when we go to, uh, you know, amusement parks or whatever, I'll put that lanyard on her, you know, when she's older and I fold it to where they can't see her name. Right. You know, my phone numbers, they can't see your name and I'll stuff it inside her shirt or, you know, so people don't realize, but if she had an emergency, somebody could find that. And right. Exactly. So having some kind of a help, plus being able to manage his meds. And then ideally, if he can recognize when a seizure is coming on, for example, the very first time I knew my daughter had a seizure, it happened, our physical therapist, she was just four years old or something like that, three or four, the physical therapist was there, she goes, you hear that? And she was going, it's like clicking. She goes, she's getting ready to seize. And I said, what do you mean? <laughs> she's like, wow. no, she's getting ready to have a seizure. And sure enough, she had a grand mal seizure right there. And so there are usually signs. Some people see colors or auras. My daughter also started having absence seizures leading up to it. So if, you know, people okay. are telling me, hey, what are you thinking about? Hey, you know, snap out of it, whatever. And he's like, oh, okay, this is coming on. And I learned with her, if I, if I lowered her cognitive load, I could really help manage and control the seizure. So, okay. Yeah. So it's really management is, is a huge key to that management too. And being able to communicate that you need help when you need it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, those are all great. Um, Lisa um, has been viewing and she said, you've been a wealth of information. Thank you. Um, oh, and so Stephanie has more information. So I'm going to have you talk about your website and the curriculum that you started writing too, which is super exciting. So which do you want to start with? Um, I'll start with my current website. Okay. So, I mean, the first one. Uh, so artofspecialnewsparenting.com, which is the one up on the screen. That one is um, where I started and I just attracted homeschoolers. So I started really focusing in on the homeschooling thing. But that website is really about those three circles of purpose. And over time, I will build into it more of that. But there's also homeschooling information on it. Now, I just recently, mm-hmm. grand opening was, is right now. 20 to 40% off. I created curriculum specifically for children with intellectual disabilities because I got tired of being on the curriculum carousel going over and over and over (laughs) doing all these things. And let me, uh, so I have a website specific to curriculum. Let me write it in here. 
I know I don't have a lot of time. There we go. It's called elarplearning.com. Oh, did mm -hmm. it go there? Okay. Um, and ELARP stands for Explore, Label, Apply, Reason, Produce. And it's a curriculum designed for kids who are two or more years behind grade level, especially in the core subjects, to help them get out of get out of perpetual kindergarten and keep learning even while you're trying to remediate math and English and all those other things. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I've got it up on the screen, but we'll make sure we add the the link too. And so, um, so Stephanie has a shop there, and um, and then you can learn more about about that that your kind of your philosophy too. I'm assuming that you have all that yeah, available. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, that's, that's great. I just like, yeah, like Lisa said, this has been a wealth of information. And um, like I told you at the beginning, you're going to love what Stephanie has to share and just, um, just, you have so much wisdom and, um, and, and insight and um, just thank God for you and, and um, all that you are willing to share with, with parents um, on what he has taught you. Um, it's truly a blessing. So. Well, thank you. You're a blessing for making all these available, me and all these other people available. <laughs> oh, I just sit and chat and, you know, <laughs> I have a lot of fun. <laughs> so, so yes, uh, we all do our, our thing and, and help each other. So, so that's what it's all about. Well, well, thank you. And Stephanie's going to be on the show again at the end of next month. And we're going to be talking about nonverbal learners. And so she'll be back um, to to talk again. So you haven't seen the last of Stephanie. Um, and, and even after that, I'm sure she'll be on again because she's been on the show many times. Um, but um, but you'll definitely want to um, to join us again for that conversation. If um, if you this has really struck a chord with you um, and and. This week, I'm actually doing a second broadcast as well. Last week, I did two. This week, I'm doing two. I'm ramping up because I'm going to be on the road soon. Um, but we're going to talk about um, tips for college admission for students with learning struggles this coming Thursday at 1030 a.m. Central Time. So, um, so I will be back live then. Um, for, for that conversation. And then again, back next Tuesday at our regular time too, for one more broadcast before I fly out the next day. So, um, so anyways, lots, lots of good things, but we're mostly talking about that preparing for life after high school. It's, it's a very stressful time. I realize that I've graduated three now and, um, and it's, I don't know with you, Stephanie, and, you know, every time you get to that that threshold of what what's happening next it's you know satan can come in and just really eat you apart but yeah. um, we we can't <laughs> we can't let him come in we we've got to fight that and um and god will give you peace and and people put people in your path like like stephanie who um who will just um pour out their wisdom to you so so thank you again for all that you shared. Make sure you visit Stephanie's websites. We'll put those links in the description so that you can um, you can do that. So so thank you again. Appreciate you and and all that you do. And um, God blessings on um, the work that you just keep keep doing. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. And, and thank you all for joining us. We um, will see you next time here for a conversation. Until then, God bless and take care. See you then. Bye, everybody. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on this podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. This has been Empowering Homeschool Conversations with Peggy Ployer.
Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast. We're a theology and apologetics podcast. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com.